You know, we've heard some really, really bad takes this offseason. Oh, I already know where this is going. Concerning the current and the future of OU football. Colin Cowherd, he's released about 75% of those bad takes. But it's not just Colin, it's been some others. Uh, the Barstool Unnecessary Roughness podcast. Brandon Walker's thrown out some crap comments. Casey Smith's thrown out some crap comments. Really, kind of everyone nationally has thrown out crap comments about what they think about the future of OU. How could I forget Bud Elliott comparing Maryland and OU until OU rolls into the SEC? But of all those bad comments, all of those bad takes we've heard over the past eight months, today, Parker Thune, Today is when we saw the worst possible take we've seen all offseason as Stuart Mandel of The Athletic is predicting OU to roll off a 7-5 and five season in 2022, something they have not done this new millennium. And I really don't even know where to begin with how bad of a take this is, but spoiler alert, guys, OU ain't going 7-5 and five this year. They're going to be favored, and they are favored in every single game this year. That doesn't automatically mean they're going to roll off a 10-2 and two and 11-1, and one, but 7-5 and five is not in the cards for this football team. With or without Dylan Gabriel, by the way, Parker. My favorite, my favorite interaction on Twitter today was when one OU fan, I don't remember who, called out Stewart on his BS and said, okay, based on your predictions for Oklahoma, you have them going seven and five with four conference losses. You have Nebraska going four and eight with seven conference losses. So you're saying both of those teams have a non-conference loss, but they both can't lose to each other. So is Oklahoma going to lose to UTEP or Kent State, or is Nebraska going to lose to North Dakota or Georgia Southern? And Stewart's response was, Nebraska coming back home after playing Northwestern in Ireland to face a pretty good FCS team is a trap game if I've ever seen one. (laughs) Tyler, in the last decade, the University of North Dakota has one win over an FBS opponent, and it was Wyoming. Yes. I didn't bother to research any further back than that, but... The fa- like, does does Stewart have North Dakota confused with North Dakota State? He does because North Dakota was picked seventh in the Missouri Valley this year. Seventh, okay. and I understand that it's Nebraska, and God knows Nebraska can lose to anyone. That, but okay, Nebraska's not losing to North Dakota. He basically someone called him out about his prediction, and he said, "Uh, they're going to lose to uh, North Dakota. North Dakota's the easiest game that Nebraska's going to have this year." And this is what's embarrassing is takes like this, like these are the national people that have the largest platform, and it's embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing that people with these crap of takes have the national platform that they do. And I'm not mad at this take because I'm an OU fan and he picked my favorite team to go 7-5. and I hate this because it's stupid. It's moronic. In 22 years... We've seen a lot of things go wrong with OU football at times. We've seen a lot of things the go wrong. The starting quarterback getting kicked off the team in August. I think we all remember that, right? In a converted former quarterback, moved to wide receiver, has to move back to quarterback. They still won a Big 12 championship and that And they year. would have been playing for a national title if not for Gordon Reese. There's a lot of things that have happened over the past 22 years, but one thing that hasn't happened is OU's only won seven games. 
They're picked top 10 in the AP poll this year. They're not going 7-5. and five. And the biggest issue I had is, you know, he does his whole Big 12 selection here, his, his kind of season preview. He's got OU going 7-5. and five. And then he's got um, impact transfer. Okay, Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. Runner-up, Dylan Gabriel? Dylan Gabriel's not going to be runner-up for impact transfer if he's 7-5 and five at quarterback. Impact freshman Gavin Sawchuk, he's not. That's not going to be the case if they're going seven and five. If, if your prediction is accurate about OU in a seven-win season, they won't be on impact freshman, impact transfer, player of the year. They won't be on any sort of a list at the end of the year. He's hedging, and I don't know whether it's conscious or unconscious, but he is hedging. That way, if Oklahoma plays really well then he can circle back around and say, okay, well, I was right about Dylan Gabriel, and I was right about Gavin Sawchuk, and I was right about all these other things, but as a team, Oklahoma exceeded my expectations. And then on the off chance that Oklahoma falls flat on their face, he can say, well, I nailed that prediction about their record. And just like the text line is saying right now, does he even give a reason as to why he thinks OU going to go 7-5? and five? If that's the case, they'll likely be the most disappointing team in college football this year. I mean, right? If they're top 10 preseason and they don't even win eight games, you could probably throw you in most disappointing category. You've got to give me a reason as to why you think that that's going to be the case. But you didn't there. Oh, let me guess, by the way, you just think it's going to happen because OU lost some players via the transfer portal, and Brent Venables is a first-time head coach. Because one thing I've learned about these national guys, Parker, is that no one can actually think outside the box. It's so groupthink, everyone thinks that, well, Brent's a first-time head coach, and they lost a good quarterback and a good receiver to the transfer portal. They must, they're, they're probably going to suck this year. There's no like deep leveled like sort of thinking. I, if you want to say OU's going to disappoint this year, that's fine, man. That's your opinion, but at least give me a legitimate reason as to why that's going to be the case. Don't just spew the same crap I've heard all off season long. But we get more of the same here from the athletic and Stuart Mandel. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Air Cover Solutions text line. F Stuart Mandel. Coach Sandlin tweeted that it's going to be a great week in recruiting. Yes, it will be. One way or another, it certainly will be. Uh, <laughs> this man obviously has a gnarly lobotomy scar. I hate this because he won't actually say why he thinks they will lose five games. That's my issue. Peyton says he just says that we lost a ton. That's literally all. Us, OSU, and Baylor all have massive losses. Kendall says, do you, do you not realize that Stewart is winning when you talk about his dumb take on the air? He's not winning! Because the entirety of the college football world looks at him and says, Hey, Stuart, you're a moron. And I know that OU fans are going to keep receipts of the story at the end of the year. And guess what? Stuart is being called a moron in August. And he will be called a moron in December when OU's playing in the Big 12 championship game this year. Does he get the clicks? Is he, are we talking about it right now? Yes, and in that way he wins. But he's opening up a lot of eyes here locally and nationally saying, Huh, that's interesting. He's a college football national guy, and he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about when it comes to this sport. He's already being ratioed severely. He's going to get ratioed to another dimension several times over the course of this college football season, beginning a week and a half from now when Nebraska has absolutely no trouble beating North Dakota. 
Yeah, we're not even have to wait until December for calling him a moron. Once Nebraska like, stops listen, North Dakota, yeah. I, yeah. I know as well as anyone that Nebraska can find some unfathomable ways to lose football games. And they can lose to teams that should in no universe play them anywhere close. But to say North Dakota is a trap game for Nebraska, you're just reaching at that point. And what you're doing is, you're, what, what you've done at that point is, as to put myself in Stuart Mandel's shoes here, what he's done is that he's screwed up. He realizes he's screwed up. He realizes, oh, wait, this, this Twitter person, this rando on social media makes a very good point. Oklahoma and Nebraska can't lose to each other, so I have to invent a non-conference loss for whoever I think doesn't win that game. So, hey, hey, so hang on here. Hang on. Just to clarify, what he's saying, if we're reading between the lines here, what he's saying is that if Oklahoma and Nebraska both lose a non-conference game, Nebraska's going to lose to North Dakota, but then turn around and beat OU. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. And how moronic of a take is, Which is, is just that? Like, even when you're trying to cover your tracks, you're yes. just digging a deeper and deeper and, hole. And here's my issue. If you're going to be a hot take artist, that's fine. Like, be who you want to be on the air or in your articles, whatever. I just wish there was a world where people were held accountable for the crap predictions that they have. I wish we lived in that world because guess what? If Stewart picks OU to roll off a seven and five, and they go eleven and one, what repercussions? Like, what, what's what's going to happen to Stewart Mandel? Absolutely nothing, right? And if you try to come after him on Twitter or try to make fun of him, whatever, you're going to get blocked, and he's going to get defensive and all butt hurt things like that. Like, if you want to come out with these great predictions, that's cool. I just want these people to be held accountable for how moronic that they sound. Jesse G mm. says Stewie from Family Guy has better takes than Stewie from The Athletic. <laughs> it would be a better hire at this point. And it's not just because he picked OU to have that win-loss record. Just give me a reason as to why you think that that's going to be the case. Give me a reason as to why. Like, if you're going, if you're picking seven and five, Parker, we've already established that he thinks that they're losing to Nebraska, right? That means we're talking about losses to Nebraska. We're talking about a loss to Texas, I guess. That we picked Texas to go four and eight this year. He's probably thinking Nebraska, Kansas State, uh, Baylor. Oklahoma State, and, like, you get the point. It's hard, like, really, really hard even to think negatively about this team and find five losses on the schedule. Again, it's just not going to happen. We've seen a lot of things happen with OU football since the year 2000. A lot of bad things have happened. And not a lot of bad things have happened, but a lot of crazy things have happened at times, and still the bottom of the barrel has been an eight-win season. And during those eight-win seasons, a lot of times guys have gotten fired at the end of the year. So I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't believe for a second that this is a seven-win football team. Dylan Gabriel could suffer a massive injury in week one. If Davis Bevel was this team's quarterback, Parker, I'd pick them to win more games than just seven this year. I don't know. It's just – it actually I, – I, I looked at this earlier and I said that's the stupidest take of the entire season – but the more we're talking about it, the more it angers me just because of how embarrassing it is that this guy has the platform that he does and spews crap like that. We need Saturday. 
and we all here. know he look. We need Saturday he, to come. He doesn't think OU is going to have this. Like spoiler alert. I think you already know this. He doesn't really think this is going to be OU's record this year. He's doing it for he's doing it for the clickbait that's out there. At least I hope he doesn't really think that they're gonna that they're really going uh, rolling off a seven and five. Gosh, we need the football season to get here so badly. We need all of this to die and be buried. We need actual football to talk about because the discourse on Twitter has become insufferable. And this is just the latest example. Let's see what these football teams look like on the actual gridiron. Gosh, I can't, I can't wait for this Saturday. And looking at the slate for week zero, obviously none of the games are worth anything. But at least when Saturday arrives, we can finally say college football is here. Yeah, exactly. And we're not going to have to go a week without it for the next four. Hot takes used to pay for it by losing their credibility and integrity. Unfortunately, in the world we live in today, integrity and credibility don't mean crap. Peyton says, uh, maybe if they actually had an OU beat reporter, they'd be able to fill in old Stewie. Yeah, that would probably help quite a bit. I mean, we say that it's for takes, but I think uh, most OU fans have uh, unsubscribed from The Athletic. And I don't think anyone was resubscribing today to see this crap take by Stewie. Just an opinion of mine. That's that's the other thing too. Like you, you have to already subscribe to the Athletic, right? If you're reading Stuart Mandel's stuff, because like Stuart Mandel tweeting his preseason Big Twelve poll is not going to make you pull the trigger on a paid subscription. No, no, it's not. Does he win? Does it make me want to subscribe to The Athletic? Why put I? Why would I pay for that crappy take? That's true. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep it coming. Uh, I know Parker wants to hear where they're listening at right now. How about Long Valley, New Jersey? How about Boardman, Oregon? How about Lincoln, California? I did not know that Lincoln, California existed. How about Columbus, Ohio, and Glastonbury, Connecticut? Glastonbury, Connecticut. Glastonbury, Connecticut. Yes. Wow. I just found that one. So the, the ref army knows no geographical bounds. We're on both coasts, no doubt. All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Travis Davidson is going to join us next segment, as he always does at Wednesday at 2.30. But it's not going to last 10 minutes. It's going to last three and a half hours. Because not only is Travis joining us next segment, he's not getting off the air until I go off the air. We go off the air together at 6 p.m. tonight. Um, I, I guess I should have told everyone this. Just wanted to finalize this and make sure this was the case. Teddy was off Fridays throughout the offseason. Teddy is off Wednesdays during football season now. So I know a lot of you listen to Travis and I uh, throughout Friday of the offseason. That was the Friday rush. Well, the Friday rush has been moved to the Wednesday rush now. And today is, well, last week was the first day of the Wednesday rush. Uh, we'll have Travis today. He'll be live at uh, FC Tulsa promoting their game tonight. Their match, I should say. And, hey, we came after Stuart Mandel for an entire segment, Parker. I wanted some repercussion. I want more punishments um, on idiotic takes that are released. And that's kind of what we're going to do today, man. Like We're going to give kind of our final season prediction this year, all three of us. Oh, Le- I love it. Okay. Leading rusher with how many yards, um, leading receiver with how many yards, final record, all of that. 
We're going to write it down. We're going to remember it. And I hope everyone else does too. If I say something stupid, please, by all means, hold me accountable at the end of the year. That's what it should be. I think I have an awesome idea of who the leading passer is going to be. So I can't wait till we get to that one. Well, Stewart would say that it's probably going to be Nick Evers or something like that. But, yeah, that's just how much he pays attention to, to the football team. Okay, so are we going to wait for Travis? Yeah, we're going to wait. Jump on before we do that. Yeah, we're going to wait till Travis. Okay, uh, till we get that. So some recruiting stuff in the meantime. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but the new 2025 rankings were released. We're talking about the 23 class right now. Yeah, 24 class is in the distance. 2025 is off even further into the distance. I bring that up because 24/7 released their 2025 top 100. There's one native Oklahoman on that list. And he's never played a down of football. Jaden Nickens has never played a down of football at Millwood or anywhere else? I don't believe so. I think this fall will be his first on the gridiron. He is a high-level basketball prospect that was picking up Power 5 offers in the sport of basketball as a guard as early as 8th grade. So this is a guy that, much much like Jacoby Johnson, right, has a legitimate future in multiple sports. I, I Like I said – I don't believe he played football last year at Millwood High. He's going to play this year. How is he ranked top 20 nationally, then, if he's never played football before? Because he's that freaking athletic, man. (laughs) God. I would think that you've at least had to play before to be ranked 16th overall going into your sophomore season. I mean, doesn't that make a little bit of sense? I understand that he's super athletic. Six foot three, 190. I'm sure he's got hops like crazy, but. That he does. Okay. Yeah, and he dominated Mm. at OU's elite camp in June and really put himself on the radar. He's already got a couple of offers, a couple of collegiate offers to play football. I believe North Texas and UTSA offered him back in the spring. So uh, this is a guy that is supremely athletic, and it is really for that reason why he is Oklahoma's lone representative. I was kind of surprised not to see Ravion Larry, the running back out of Ida Bell, on that list. There will be others in that 2025 class in the state of Oklahoma that crack the top 250. It gets expanded to a top, uh, actually, top 247. Uh, I believe in February, I want to say. So you will see an expanded 2025 class rankings in the not-too-distant future. But as for as of right now, yes, Jaden Nickens, of all people, is the number 16 prospect in America, the number four wide receiver, and the number one player in the state of Oklahoma in that class. Now, you referenced the J.R. Sandlin tweet last segment uh, when he says, what did he say? It's going to be a great week for at OU football recruiting, and everyone is familiar now, I think for the most part, with the stock up emoji that's being used to always reference OU football recruiting. Am I looking way too deep into things? Yes. If I noticed yes. that there were three of those emojis yes. and yes, not just Tyler. one or two? Yes, you're looking Because I'm deep. hoping he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, everyone think it's 60-40 for Anthony Evans. We got him. We got Macari Vickers. And, oh, by the way, David Hicks is going to announce this week. I know that that wasn't the case. I just wanted to get my hopes up a little bit, only for you to shoot them down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to be the bearer of bad news, if bad news is what it is. But, yes, I... I do not expect three commits this week for Oklahoma. Now, I say I say that, and of course, like, instantly what's going to happen is as soon as we get off the air, Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates are finally going to play. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I, look, I I don't know at this point. But here's, here's what I do know. The Sooners are going to get at least one commit this week. 
Yes. I firmly believe yeah, that. Yeah, Macquarie Vickers will. It's just with 48 hours until Anthony Evans' decision, it comes down to how much progress Oklahoma can make in that race. And Peyton's on the Air Comfort Solutions text line asking for an update on Evans. Look, it's probably 60-40 in favor of Georgia right now. Not over, not by a long shot. But against all odds, it does seem like Georgia is the leader in this recruitment as we get closer and closer to a decision. You think J.R. Sandlin knows what he's doing when he sends out three of those emojis instead of just one or two? Do you think like he's like, oh, I'll, I'll get him really I, going with this one right here? Because we look way too deep into everything, myself included on this one, especially when it comes to recruiting. Oh, my gosh, he had a Nebraska hat on, but he was showing all those offers. Does that mean he's telling us that he's a Nebraska lean right yeah, now? Exactly. We can't look at emojis, Parker, without thinking that there's something going on. I know. Look, you see the locks, you pay attention to the locks. Okay, the other emojis are relatively meaningless. But still, like you said, they're at least getting one this week, which will um, I, I get. Will that move them into the top five though? If Anthony Evans commits to Georgia, I guess technically OU would be number six overall, right? Is that it? Because Georgia's currently number five, I think, in the recruiting rankings. Okay, so OU yeah. seven, LSU yes. six, and Georgia five. So OU won't jump Georgia. They would not jump if Georgia Anthony. In that okay, case. so at yeah. least number six by the time Saturday rolls around, unless LSU has someone this weekend that's about to commit. I do not know if that's going to be the case, or, or unless Peyton Bowen finally flips. That would be that would be amazing. That'll give OU a nice hike, and that'll tank Notre Dame's ranking. I um on three, they had some interesting comps. For some uh, like for some, for some 2023 athletes out there, like the, the the comp that they have for Arch Manning was Andrew Luck, which is like whoa, um, oh okay, Andrew Luck, all right. David Hicks, his comp is Malcolm Brown, who was a first round pick by the Patriots, played for Texas. You remember Malcolm Brown that played at UT? I, think I he remember. Was a five star I remember at one Malcolm point. Brown, yeah. Are you asking me what I think of that comp? Yes. It's not flattering enough. It's not flattering at all. I'll give you one that's really not flattering, though. And I read it, and I said, oh, oh, God, no, please, no. I scrolled down to Jackson Arnold, and I said, I I wonder what comp that they'll have for Jackson Arnold. I mean, you know, there's a lot of flattering comps that you could throw out there. Like, even though Andrew Luck retired early, I think Andrew Luck is a pretty flattering comp for a guy like Arch Manning. They had Rex Grossman for Jackson Arnold. What? Rex Grossman? First off, that's a guy that hasn't played organized football in like a decade. I know. Secondly, what? I know that he was, what, he was the Bears starting quarterback when they lost to the Colts, right? In the Super Bowl that year? Yes, Super Bowl 41. I mean, Rex Grossman? Seriously? Where does that even come from? That is the oddest comparison that I think they could have possibly come up with. A name that everyone knows, but you read that and you say, ugh, you well, got it and, as a five-star. Well, and because more often than not, these player comps are current players, whether at the collegiate level or at the professional level. Somebody that folks are used to seeing on their TVs every week, right now, today, in 2022. Not somebody that played for Florida 25 years ago and took the Bears to a Super Bowl 16 years ago. The Stuart Mandel, right for for on 3-2, was he doing these comparisons? He thinks OU's going to have Rex Grossman starting at quarterback in 2024. Oh, Stewie probably does. 
He actually probably does. All right, we'll take a break. We'll get to uh, Travis Davidson on the other side. He joins me from 3 to 6 on this Wednesday. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref. We welcome Travis Davidson to the show. He'll be on with me throughout the rush today, 3 to 6 p.m. Live at One Oak Field for the uh, FC Tulsa game tonight. $1 beer, Travis? Did I read that correctly? Yeah, they're wow. doing uh, they're doing dollar beer, but also uh, I'll do you I'll do you one better if you come to the ticket office at at uh, One Oak Field here, where FC Tulsa plays, also where the Drillers play. And if you go to the ticket office and say Travis sent me, they will hand you a ticket and not ask for any money in return. Uh, you will get a free ticket to tonight's game, and it's dollar beer night. You can't beat that, Tyler. Oh, they're about to sell this thing out. It's going to be like Death Valley at night on a Saturday <laughs> night or something like that. I'm not that. sure they're going to be playing Nick, but, yeah, it, 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 it'll be a lot of fun. No, that's that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, We're, we're going to get into kind of our season predictions, leading rusher, leading receiver, all of that. But first, let's let's hit um, let's hit some recruiting stuff, and, and let's get back to the text line. I, I just want both of your take, and I'm going to run through the list of the top players in Oklahoma. I just want to make sure – in this 2023 class, and I know most of the top prospects have already committed somewhere, I just want to do a wellness check on the top players in the state and make sure that they are totally locked in to the school that they're currently committed to. And I'll start at the top with, by Job, Michigan State commits. Parker, we'll start with you. Is there any reason at all to think that by Job is not a super solid commit to Sparty? No, there is not any reason to think that. I think that commitment will stick. And, yeah, I mean, that that about sums it up. I, I don't see any reason why that would change, barring a catastrophic collapse amongst the Michigan State coaching staff that results in a shuffling of the deck. Travis, think anything different? Yeah, not not about by Job. Uh, I, th- I think he's solid. Um, again, as we talk about his recruitment, no real deep uh, Oklahoma ties uh, to the area or anything like that. So I don't think you can go back and, and revisit, you know, ties like that and pull them in. So, no, I don't think so. Jacoby Johnson is the latest commit in the state of Oklahoma. I mean, he literally just committed a couple of weeks ago. I don't see any reason why this would be going any other way, Parker. No, it won't. There is no reason why it would go any other way. So we'll go to Bixby, not too far away from where Travis is doing the show today. You got a four-star tight end committed to Arkansas, and Travis, Arkansas fans are upset that he's dropped in the rankings since he decommitted from OU and committed to Arkansas. Is there any thought that he could be looking elsewhere at this point? Oh, let's let's get our you know our tinfoil hats on that uh, the 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 rankings industry hates Arkansas for some reason. Um, I think every school thinks that the rankings industry hates their own school. Parker can probably corroborate that. But, um, no, the thing is um, he loves the tight end coach uh, over there at Arkansas. They've got a fantastic relationship. Uh, they're a lot alike. Um, I, I think I, I would say he's 95, 90 to 95% locked in uh, with the Hogs over there. Yeah, similarly. I, I don't think Luke has leaves. And the second that – Mule shoe was out the door at Oklahoma. Always kind of felt like he was going to end up a Razorback. I don't have any reason to believe that that would change. Now let's get to the interesting oh one. Oh, boy. Here Shall we go. We? Number four uh. on the list. 
from Booker T in Tulsa, a four-star athlete, once rumored to be a heavy OU lean. Then things seemingly got kind of interesting. Now he's an Arkansas commit. Travis, is Micah Tease totally on board with the Hogs as of right now? I think right now he's totally on board with them. That's not to say that couldn't change. Uh, I, I do think that in my heart of hearts, I believe that if OU offered him at wide receiver, uh, that he would heavily consider the Sooners. I have talked with him in the recent days, so I know it's not gone 100% radio silent uh, on the Oklahoma end, uh, so that's something to at least watch. Um, but, but yeah, I if, if you remember, my prediction was four flips in this class. Yep. Um, so, obviously, I'm going to lean to back up that prediction. Uh, call me crazy, but if – you know, if, if OU changed their tune a bit, I think Micah Tease ends up a sooner. Pay attention to what happens this Friday with Anthony Evans because if Anthony Evans is a sooner, great. If he's a bulldog, the silver lining therein might be that Oklahoma takes another swing at Micah Tease as a wide receiver this time. Interesting. All right. I knew yeah, it would get well, fascinating I, once we got I to Micah Tease. a little bit of a – Personally, I think it's a little bit of a Billy Bowman thing. The dude is a playmaker. For those of you that haven't seen him live, you are missing out. The dude is an animal. So he plays both ways uh, for a very talented Booker T roster. Um, so he can do it all. I, I, I think this could end up personally as almost like a, a Billy Bowman situation of, hey, get him there, get him on the field as quickly as you can, doing whatever he can, and, and the guy's going to show out. So the, the guy can play both ways. You know, kind of like uh, Jacoby Johnson plays both ways down there at Mustang. Uh, just, just get him, do what you can to get a guy like that on campus, and then let the chips fall where they may over the years. The fifth four-star in the state of Oklahoma for the 2023 class. We talk about him a ton. I know a lot of you roll your eyes when we bring his name up. Kendall, shut up! Cole Adams out of Owasso, <laughs> four-star wide receiver, five ten, one eighty. Uh, still roll tide all the way. Still roll tide mm-hmm. in my yes. eyes, at least. I, I don't see how or why that would change. Travis, I agree. I agree, one hundred percent. Eric McCarty, the other OU commit in the top ten, do not. I mean, as solid as Jacoby Johnson is, throw that in for Eric McCarty. I, I don't see a scenario where he's even thinking about anyone else at this no point. No shot. No shot. That guy, he he would be committed to Oklahoma if there wasn't a head coach. So the player to keep an eye on here is definitely Mike Atiz. Now, guys, is it fair if Anthony Evans ends up committing on Friday, can you kiss the Mike Atiz wish goodbye? I, it, it was severely impacted, I would I guess. would say yes. At that point, it's probably a wrap. If you get Anthony but, Evans, you're not getting Mike Atiz. See, and, and I this is – Obviously, my 918 bias coming in to play here. I think I think you do what you can to get a guy like Micah Tease on your roster, personally. Uh, I, I think if you've got a guy that versatile, I've, I've been a longtime proponent of trying to get him to Norman. Um, so even if Anthony Evans uh, picks the Sooners on Friday, I still, I still will not uh, stop uh, um, beating that drum of, of getting Micah Tease to Norman. But, yes, I do think – I agree with Parker that it does – drastically change the likelihood of it all right we got to get some uh season-long predictions for OU in here before uh, Parker gets out at 3 p.m so let's get to that now let's start with uh, uh passing yards for Dylan Gabriel he is going to be your leading passer this year knock on wood hopefully he stays healthy 
Um, and text line, play along with this as well. If you have a pad and a pen, write down what you think compared to ours, and maybe you'll skunk us at the end of the year. I don't know. Uh, Travis, I'll start with you. Dylan Gabriel passing yards at the end of the year. What's the number going to look like? I am going to go with 3550. 3550 3550 yards. Okay. Final answer. Wow. I, that that feels low to me. Yeah. I I, okay. I was I was going to go way high. I was going to say 4400. For for like just just to compare it here, uh Baker Mayfield in 2015, he had 3700 yards. Um 2016, he had just under 4000. In 2017, he had 4,600. Are you guessing here, Travis, that OU's going to run the ball a whole lot more than maybe they did those three years with Baker Mayfield? Yes, uh, I do believe so. When you look at the passing versus running statistics of a Jeff Levy offense, um, yes, they were 11th in rushing attempts. um, And then I believe they were, I think, 50th maybe in passing attempts last year. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I'm leaning more on the uh, uh, running the ball. So I do think he ends up with – I'm going to 3550. Parker Thune. He's going yep. like 6000 apparently. Well, no, not 6000. <laughs> I and I the more I think about it, 4400 is probably a little bit high. I do think he breaks the 4000 yard barrier. I'll, I'll say no, see see after I give after I give my explanation of my number, he's like, "Well, now that I think about it, 4400, uh-huh." I see how it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, see, you're talking sense into me, Travis. Yeah, yeah that's uh, which, all I do. Which very that's few can. So, uh, I'll <laughs> say 4,100. 4,100. 4, Dang, this offense is going to go fast. 4,100 yards. That, um, if OU has an 11 win season along with that, or dare I say even a 12, homeboy going to end up in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, most likely with 4,100 yards. That's, yeah, well, that, I, and I think he'll have – the statistical production to be able to have a Heisman Trophy case, or at least he'll be in contention to go to New York. I, I just, when you look at how deep college football is with top of the line quarterbacks right now, there's going to be a lot of competition, I would expect. I have 3,800 yards for Dylan Gabriel, and now that I think about it, seems like the lamest uh, pick I could give because I had this down before. Either of you said your total number, but I'm right smack dab in the middle of what you think. Yeah, you are. I, I mean, like, literally right in the middle. Fence and I wrote riding. down 3,800 yards. So I'll do this. I'll go first on touchdowns to interceptions. I think he's going to have a 5-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio, Travis. Um, Dylan Gabriel's going to throw 35 touchdowns to 7 picks this year. Okay, we'll go backwards. Parker next. Okay, I'll say he has a 4-1. to one touchdown to interception ratio because I think you get, you get in the red zone Sooners are probably going to be even more run heavy than they all you think it's 28 7 I would say it, somewhere in that neighborhood is fair probably yeah 30 Wait, are we picking ratio here we well we but I just I, I just did I just said ratio because well I'm thinking of Stuart Mandel all day long but also I had 35 7 which was an easy five to one I I will say 32 touchdowns eight interceptions I think he'll. I think he'll do a bit of a better job protecting the ball. If you look at to where his freshman campaign was, he was seven interceptions and then down to four interceptions in his next full season. I realize 2021 was a little bit higher. He got hurt early. I'm throwing out that season. I'm going to go with 31 touchdowns with five interceptions. Woo! By the way, all these numbers that have been thrown out thus far. 
Um, I would take any of these numbers, especially these touchdown-to-interception ratios that we're throwing out here. I kind of like that number at five, which Baker, what, in Baker's Heisman year, he had six interceptions? Yeah, so, I think he was like 42. I think he had 42 touchdowns, six picks. Yeah. Uh, Border Sooner says DG will have 3,750 uh, yards. Uh, this text says... Gibson might end up with 1,500 of those 4,000 yards. That's a li- little bit lofty for a true freshman. Yeah. Uh, real quick, let's get to the rushing numbers. I'm going to guess that, God, I want to pick Javante Barnes so bad. I want to so bad. I'm going to pick Eric Gray. 1,100 yards on the ground this year for Eric Gray. Parker, what do you think? I, I was literally going to say Eric Gray, 1,100 yards, so you took the words right out of my mm-hmm. mouth. I feel like I have to go uh, a little bit of a – different direction now so I will say this I'll say for the first time since 2012 the Sooners do not have a 1,000 yard because the carries are so evenly split between Eric Gray Marcus Major Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk I think Gray leads the pack at 900 yards I can't wait Travis for all the Marcus Major uh, simps to be on the text line right now (laughs) saying that he's gonna have a 2,000 yard season are you one of them yeah, well, I want to see what he does in the second half of the season because clearly he'll get 2,000 uh, in the first half. So we'll see how he does down the stretch. Um, I am I'm firmly entrenched in the Eric Gray um, boat with you guys, uh, although I'm going to go 1,025 yards, 1,025. I think in order to get that 1,000 yards uh, of rushing, they actually make it a point uh, and give him the ball a couple times uh um, just just to push him over that 1,000-yard mark. I have Barnes going for 875 yards as the team's uh, number two leading rusher. So just going to throw that out there. Okay. I do think okay. Javante Barnes will be uh, number two on this team and to get close to 1,000 yards, he'll be pretty good. All right, we got a few more numbers to run down. Interact with us on the Air Comfort Solutions text lines with your thoughts. 405-651-3439. We'll close up Locked In coming up next. All right, let's move quick. Final segment of Locked In. Text line, General Booty will have 69 yards. Dylan Gabriel is the second leading rusher. That's from uh, Carlos out in South Dakota. Uh, Offense will have 6,500 to 7,000 yards. Not sure how that's distributed. They'll have 15 total turnovers there. Uh, Let's get to a couple more here. 35-5 for Gabriel. And, of course, someone from the 918 says Marcus Major will get 2,001 rushing yards <laughs> this year. All right, um, let, let's go to receiving yards. I'm going to do it, guys. I'm going to do it. Jaden Gibson is your leading receiver. Wow. 1,200 yards. I don't think game one, he's wide receiver number one. M- remember in 2017 when Hollywood Brown emerged like halfway? Like the Oklahoma State game was right at the halfway mark, maybe a little bit past that. I think he ended up being your leading rusher that year. I think Jaden Gibson, maybe not now, but I think at the end of the year, he's saying he's he, he's OU's best target. I think he's going to have a monster second half of the season to get to 1,200 yards. Travis? I mean, wow. Yeah, I. Uh, that's that's bold. You know what? I like it, though. I like it. Um, I'm going to go easy here. I'm going to go Marvin Mims. Um, I think he is your feature receiver uh, this year, which I think will equate to give me give me 980 
yards receiving. 980. All right, no 1,000-yard receiver. Parker? I, I'm torn here because half of me wants to go with Marvin Mims and half of me wants to go with Jalil Farouk. Since mm. Travis went with Marvin Mims, I think I will say the presence of Marvin Mims draws attention away from Jalil Farouk, Ooh. which enables him to outpace Marvin Mims just barely for the team lead in receiving yards. I will say Jalil Farouk ends the year – with just over 1,000 yards, I'll put him at 1,050. Look at us. All three see, different leading but, receivers. But the reason that they're going to pull the defenders over is because Marvin's going to be leading the team in receiving yards. That's why. No, Jaden Gibson is going to. Guys, oh, that's, that's who it is. All right, all right. We'll uh, we're going to update these throughout the, throughout the year, too. We'll keep a tally on these and see how we're doing. Total defense, I'll say 24. Total offense, I'll say number six. Parker? Total offense, I will say they are number uh, number four. I think they have a top five offense in college football. Defense, top 25? Yes. I'll say they have a defense that is number 21, just outside the top 20. Travis? I think offense will be number – I think offense will be number five. Defense will be number 18. Final record, I've got 11-1 and one regular season, contrary to what Stuart Mandel tries to tell all of us. Parker, what do you think? I'm at 11-1 and one right there with you. Travis? Yeah, we're in lockstep, 11-1. and one. All right, there you go. I, I hope someone wrote these down. I was hoping that Travis was writing these down as we were going along. Otherwise, we're going to have to review the tape. We yeah, do review, have the tape. Review the podcast. I, gonna... I had a couple notes, but then, you know, I'm in an open-air studio up here above uh, One Oak Field and uh, my paper – Blue, uh, blue uh, to the back of the room a little third bit. Third so baseline. If you're in the yeah. third baseline of One Oak Field, pick that up for us so we can remember our predictions. <laughs> That'll do it for Parker. The rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.